0: My name is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message to all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and destiny. You've come to the right place. For those that are, are new, I want to refer you to my website at ultimatemeaning.com where I have a flip book with very original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me to you. You will find a lot of the print is highlighted in red, those are actually links to YouTube videos and other sources, mostly YouTube videos, that are very profound and amazing from many fields of science and archaeology that confirm the reality of what I am sharing here, that expose a mastery of deception that the vast majority of the public do not know about. The evidence watching those videos is irrefutable. So you need to check that out. And there's also a video a little further down on the actual page there as well. Underneath the flip book that goes, spans the whole paragraph. Which will explain in more depth about who could only be the ultimate source of reality the one true eternal God. It is an ultimate perfection and manifestation of love that is the very source of love. So the first part here is an introduction for those that are new and of course others, if you want to go past the introduction, you probably have to go in about five minutes to seven minutes. There's a beautiful worship song. I'm very fussy about the songs I pick. I have at loverealize.com where all these messages are as well. Uh, worship song playlists. They're all YouTube videos with beautiful background and words that flow with the song. And the words have deep meaning. And there's very beautiful instruments usually with always congregational singing. So they can be used, you know, if you can connect to the internet internet on your overhead projector in a congregation, they can be used. If you don't have musicians or whatever, you can just use those. If you're starting, for example, a new congregation. So they're really exceptional. And so these messages that I give here, I seek to give them as it commands in the word of god in first peter 4:11, it says if any man speak let him speak as the oracles of god god expects us who are believers to always be cultivating allowing what comes out of our mouth to be beyond ourselves to be coming from the spirit of god in other words, to be speaking prophetically, not in the sense of for telling the future, but in the sense that the words we are speaking are beyond ourselves coming from God to one another. Of course, this is mainly referring to gathering together to meet with Jesus Christ, who is the full manifestation of God to man, the full manifestation of the Father and of the Holy Spirit. And we gather together. In the early church, when they gathered together, there was total freedom to share as the Spirit moved upon someone to speak. I've been in a congregation like that in North Van where there was that freedom. It's rare to find it where you don't even have to ask permission to use a mic. Of course, there's an understanding that there's a certain time when people have that time to share. And even the leadership is sensitive as to when things switch. But there's total freedom to share. So when the Spirit of God would rise up in me, I didn't want to quench the Spirit. And I sensed a certain seed thought or whatever and it came forth in a song a beautiful song that I just spontaneously made up at the moment out of the utterance of the Spirit of God beyond myself so whether it's a song or word of exhortation or a testimony or prayer or a prophetic word or a word of knowledge we are to share with one another learning to speak as the oracles of God or to speak prophetically As it says in Revelations 19.10, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What testifies to the reality of Jesus is when we speak out of the spirit of God to build up one another in the local assembly. When we do that, it comes out of a heart set and a mindset of worship. And so I will seek to allow God to speak through me today out of a heart set and mindset of worship. And what I do to facilitate that is I cast lots to get the possibility of any chapter in the Bible using a random application for choosing the possibility of any chapter. And I use two different random applications to get two chapters. That those two chapters would bear witness with each other as to what God is saying, as to what the theme is. Most of the time it is very evident what the theme is. Sometimes it's more difficult to perceive it, but I've always found that there is a theme. And often when the theme is harder to perceive, there is a greater synergistic effect. And so it is wonderful to um, know the blessing of God speaking that way through two chapters bearing witness with each other. And so I meditate on those two chapters for a half an hour, and I don't know what I'm going to share, and that's the case today. After meditating on those two chapters and having a meal, I'm going to speak. Not really knowing what I'm going to share, but trusting through being in a heart set and a mindset of worship that God will speak what he is wanting to say to the churches in this particular hour, which is such a grave period of crisis. It is the most dangerous time in the whole history of this world on the verge and the danger of atomic warfare and all the other things that could possibly happen. And I'm not gonna go into that in any detail or depth as this is a YouTube video. People know about all of that, about the cancel culture that exists in these days. So what I wanna share today is what I received by the casting of Lot before God. So we're going to turn, first of all, to the song that I tried to get as well by the casting of Lot. And I did get a song, but because I'm so fussy, I end up sometimes choosing another song. And even this song, I'm not too keen on, but they're all new songs that I've never heard before, and they do have real good quality in the words, and so we're going to worship with this song first, and it does, in God's providence, end up being the right one, I have discovered, even when I'm really fussy and decide, well, this one is one I can, that a church can use on an overhead projector, and so on, so here is a new, another new song that I've never heard myself before. It will be also in my playlist with the many others that are there now so here we go Price. Amen. okay i should probably share with you the words of the song that i did get today and this one was also on here and you know, it was a pretty good song too um i don't know if i dare try to uh, go back to that one of course but it was not you know it was it was a reasonably good song um And I'm just trying to pick it up right now. I've come. It starts with Jesus Fountain of My Days. And I think up here at the top, I could easily put that in here, Jesus Fountain of My Days. But um, I'll try putting that in there again just for a moment here. And it brought up this song here. This was the actual one that I got by the casting of Lot. So I think I'll just play a little bit of i okay. Okay. okay, hold Absolutely. on. We're going to just turn off this advertising here quickly. Here we go with this one. Hold off on going any further on it and just read the next verse. But thy presence on the deep calmed the pulses of the sea, and the waters sank to sleep in the rest of seeing thee. And my once rebellious will heard the mandate peace be still. Now thy will and mine are one, heart in heart and hand in hand. All the clouds have touched the sun, and the ships have reached the land, for thy love has said to me, no more night, and no more sea. So that was the song that was originally got by the casting of lot but then I saw this other one, so it's fine, that's what God wants for today in this message. I want to go into what God is wanting to say by his Spirit through the two chapters I received today by the casting of lot before God. And so here we have them, Deuteronomy 11 and Psalms 41. And it's about rebellion against the word of God and the healing of our souls so that we do not sin. The key is to keep God's word out of a loving union with God. And so I wanna first of all begin by reading Deuteronomy 11. Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. This is beginning in verse 1. And know ye this day for I speak not with your children which have not known which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God and I should point out that in the original the word Lord is Yahweh or Jehovah some like to call it but Yahweh is more accurate. And God is Almighty's, which refers to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. His greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm, and his miracles and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt, unto Pharaoh the king of Egypt, and unto all his land, and what he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses, and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them, as they pursued after you, how the lord hath destroyed them unto this day and indeed a lot of people don't know there's a really high quality archaeologist by the name of david roll spelled r h o l for the last name you should look at his youtube videos on egypt and on the children of israel coming out of egypt they have all they've they've got the tomb of joseph that was where his bones were taken out all there they got the tombs of the patriarchs. They got all this stuff they've dug up in the land of Goshen there. But a lot of people, and he points out and shows that when the Egyptian army was destroyed in the Red Sea, there was a, a force that came into Egypt from the north. I, I don't know how you pronounce their name. I know it starts with the letter H. It was Hilkos or Hilkias. I don't know the exact pronunciation but these people were very cruel and they were able to conquer all of Egypt because the army was destroyed and they were very cruel in torturing the Egyptians and in murdering them, many of them. And so that was a very severe judgment that came upon Egypt that God brought upon them for the fact that they did not turn from their idols to the true and the living God. And so this is what God is describing here. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which he did. Therefore shall ye keep all the commandments, which I command you this day, that ye may be strong. Go in and possess the land, whither ye go to possess it. It required them keeping the commandments of God to be strong and possess and conquer. And God is calling us as his people to come into a place where we don't keep his commandments out of our own self-righteousness, but we come into a relationship with him so that we do truly show that we love him. If you love me, Christ said, keep my commandments. This is a secret to victory and conquering All those things that would rob us in our own lives, that would threaten and intimidate us for not being those that God's called us to be. He's called us to enter and conquer for his kingdom in this world. In lives, being conquered by the love of God. And I want to go on and read this. Beginning in verse 5. And what he did unto you in the wilderness until ye came into this place. And what he did in Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Elab, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their households and their tents and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, of Yahweh, that is, which he did. Therefore shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong and go in and possess the land whither ye go to possess it, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed a land that floweth with milk and honey. And I go on in Deuteronomy here to... Skip down to verse 16 to 18. And here's the key verse. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived. And ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. We are to take heed to ourselves. What did Paul the Apostle say? He said that we are to examine ourselves as to whether we are, to be, are in the faith or not. There are times when God calls us to weigh our own selves, to test our own selves, to see whether we are still abiding in that vital, loving union with God that brings victory in our lives and deliverance to the captives and causes us to enter the destiny for which God created us with such a wonderful, glorious inheritance of abundance, of life. We are not to be those that are lacking in diligence, as as God by his Spirit said to the churches and revelations to one of the churches, see that no man take your crown. There is a race we're running And there is an inheritance of the crowns of God's glory that will go on forever that will be not just some beautiful emblem on the top of our head, but will be very awesome qualities of life that emanate from our being, bringing fulfillment in our own lives in far greater measure, pleasures in our own lives in far greater measure that also are found in that emanation from us coming from the crown of our head, so to speak, to others, where we are a blessing to them by the emanation of the glory of God that has been wrought in us to shine forth to others out of the love of God, our own uniqueness and creative being that God made so unique that there's no one, no one that even comes close to being like us in the whole universe. And that's true of each of us. So let us be encouraged in this regard. And so we go on to read here. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you. And he shut up the heaven, that there be no rain and that the land yield not her fruit. And lest ye perish quickly from off the good land, which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. God wants us to be diligent to make him the treasure of our life, the focus of our life. And we are living in a world where there are many things vying for our attention. There are many lures. There are many baits. There are many distractions. And therefore, God wants us to take concrete steps in our walk with him to ensure that our focus is not diminished. That our love is not eclipsed by the static of busyness in this life or the static of temptations and the pleasures of this life. Now, I want to bring out the other chapter I received so that we can perceive what God is wanting to say by his Spirit. And I will add, that I cast lots for these two chapters, but wanted a bit more insight, and it landed on John 15. And indeed, John 15 really fits in also with these two chapters. But let us see what Psalm 41, particularly 1 to 4, has to say. I'm just going to have a little bit of water here first. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he shall be blessed upon the earth, and thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. Those that don't keep the commandments of God end up being delivered unto the will of the enemy. They end up losing out possibly for each, in a big way, possibly even their salvation if they go all in total rebellion against God so that they become reprobate. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou wilt make all his bed in his sickness. I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. This is King David speaking here. He was someone that was merciful to the poor. God brought some a person into my life that I had to show great patience. It still is in my life. And mercy to him to spend an awful lot of my time and money. I, I know why. Because he wanted me to be blessed. Because I considered this person. I didn't ignore the fact that God put them in my pathway and said, well, you're not my responsibility. I didn't know the hell I would go through trying to help this person, this particular person that God just put in my path and there was no one there to help her but me. I would feel terrible not to help someone in such need. And so through the years, I've helped this individual, which has some infirmities in the brain as well. And so it has been a blessing in disguise, I am sure, for me, certainly delivering me from my selfish tendencies. And so God has done a work in my life. But the King King David here is acknowledging that his soul needed to be healed. He cries out for mercy. He recognizes that the reason he sinned was because his soul was not healed as it should have been. And there's a secret here that God is wanting us to understand. He wants us to know a wholeness in our soul. But where does wholeness in the soul come from? What is the emptiness in the soul caused by. Sometimes it is a wound because someone has hurt us terribly. And maybe we found it hard to forgive that person. Sometimes it's because the enemy has lied to us and told us that this person is against us when in fact they're not. It's just that we are a buying into the lies of Satan as there's things that seem that we see outwardly that seem to indicate that, but may not. But that's a wound too. That's a vulnerability, falling prey to the whisperings of the enemy or the whisperings of our own heart that condemn us. The Word of God says in 1 John, if your heart condemns you, God knows all things, and it goes on to say, and God is greater than your heart. Sometimes we condemn ourselves, and the enemy takes advantage of that and comes along and condemns us as well and augments that condemnation. That happened to me in my 20s. It resulted in God giving me the only open vision that I experienced in my life in 1975, which happened at about 1 in the morning with my very close two friends that I knew at that time, formerly from the Salvation Army that were in the charismatic movement. And with another fellow that was there. That's They all knew. That, and one the person there in that vision actually was part of the vision, was actually experiencing part of the vision with me. It was a very powerful vision, and I cannot go into the details of such a vision. I rarely have shared it. It was very dramatic, and but the basics of this vision was that God intervened because I was under two very strong pressures. One was the pressure of great condemnation of my own heart and the condemnation of Satan on top of it. Before this vision happened, just minutes before, I was feeling so condemned that I felt like this other fellow that was in the room was going to take my place and that I was going to be rejected like King Saul or rejected like the children of Israel where they're just thrown into the desert and have to die off because I had had thoughts of lust in my heart towards women and being a young man and so on and was finding it hard and struggling with this and not having a wife and wanting a wife and they're not being... Seemingly something coming up and I can't go into all the details of what was going on with that of course at the same time as there was that pressure of course of Satan condemning me along with me condemning myself there was this great hunger for God and I was praying and seeking God for weeks there Not, I only was on a fast for three days with the people that were also in the room there at that time but I said Lord, I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you've said if we keep your commandments, you'll reveal the Son to us. Well, I wanted a special revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's one thing to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's another thing to have a powerful revelation of Jesus. He says, if you keep my commandments, I will reveal the Son to you. What did we read in Deuteronomy? If you keep my commandments, you will inherit, you will conquer, you will be strong, you will be bold. But it's how we're keeping the commandments. It's not out of our own self-righteousness. And so, here I was. These two pressures built up And then the room filled with light. Everything that was visible in front of me started to disappear. Except the lady that was in front of me. Which was a woman of God that had been on a 40-day fast. Had led many people to the Lord. Was very, became very close to me. And I was concerned because she had a husband and she seemed to be getting too close to me. I mean, spiritually. We had such amazing conversations all the time. Anyhow, all I'm wanting to share is that without going into the vision in detail, in any detail, because it was very powerful, what happened. I did see Jesus Christ staring right at me. And it felt like if I kept looking, I would die. I could feel... I could feel um. like I tried to smile, but he didn't smile back. He was serious. But you know what? There was such love in his eyes. He was like a captain that was serious. He wasn't facing me and looking at me like this is some light thing. This meant business. He was serious like this is war. But his eyes were filled with love. I will never forget it and there is a lot more to the vision than that, but I'll tell you what it did, is it broke the condemnation of Satan against me because he revealed the verse that was audibly spoken. You are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and as I looked at my hands, it was like I was looking at the hands of Christ, and yet I knew it was my hands. That's just a little part of it. And he also showed the verse was like audible. Ye are complete in him. I knew I was complete in him. Oh, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoners free. When the enemy is reminding of you, of your past sins, you just can say, I have confessed my sins. I have acknowledged them. I have repented of them. And I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. Don't let the enemy make you believe that you are not his child and that you are not his son. Don't. That's part of wholeness. That brought healing to my soul when I realized how great his mercy was towards me. King David shouts out here, be merciful unto me and heal my soul from this wound this grasping state of being, this grasping state of being that I feel I don't have power over. We are to come boldly to the throne of grace in the time of need and not shrink back with our needs or our weaknesses for he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Brothers and sisters, It is a life of holiness that brings wholeness in the soul. But we need to see that the holiness of God is good. And when I had this vision in 1975, the other thing I saw was the holiness of God. In fact, the woman that it just came through, time went really fast and her face was filling with wrinkles in front of me because she was very attractive to me. And I was concerned because... They wanted me to live with them, and I was living with them. and Of course, her husband, there was no problem. I didn't, nothing happened. I never fell into sin or anything, but I will never forget him. God showed me his holiness. He showed me how temporal the flesh is. I also experienced a rapturous experience of being burned in flames and going up into God as a martyr at the stake. And it was so wonderful. I was laughing. I was filled with joy, but I was going up in flames onto Him. I'll never forget that experience. It broke condemnation in my life because I was weak in that area. And He healed my soul and made me whole. I want to go on. I want to share here what it says in John 15. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Hallelujah. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. So keeping the commandments of God is a matter of laying down our life for God first, out of which then we find grace to lay down our lives for one another out of a true pure heart of love. The integrity of God's love is, as it were, a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to love. That is the holiness of God. It is the opposite of corruption, it is the destroyer of corruption. And the tendency is in us to not recognize who God is in His holiness. And to perceive that his severity in our lives against sin and the severity we see around us is something that we're finding difficult to accept. Like King David found it difficult to accept that the priest was smitten dead because he did not Treat that ark with reverence that housed the representation and, and the presence of God. When you love someone, you don't treat them common. They're exceedingly precious. And then you are doing something because you see them for who they are out of love. You love them. You treat them. God, had com- his first commandment is that we love him. And genuine love is not performance, is not a perception that, oh, God is like a dictator. Or at least there's that subconscious perception, though intellectually one might be denying that, thinking that they have a right perception of God and that they don't have that perception. But in their heart, is there that bitterness? Is there that unthankfulness? Because of the suffering in our own lives or that we've seen others go through, So we begin to think God's a bit of an enigma, and there's doubt. What we're not seeing is that his holiness is good, that there must be judgment, and that if we don't understand why God is allowing the things in our lives, and it seems unjust, that it's our own limited understanding that is getting in the way. God wants us to be those that are so caught up with him and who he is that we trust him out of the perception of the recept that we are receptive to the holiness of his love. It is only when we are totally receptive to the holiness of his love that we are fully responding in trust. If we begin to get focused on the consequences of that holiness and judgment, then are we really loving God from our heart? God has called us, first of all, in the context of keeping the Ten Commandments, he always made it very clear. You're to love God with your whole being. Well, why didn't God warn them against becoming performative merely and doing it out of their own righteousness? Because There's a process that must happen where we see it for ourselves, where it's not something that we try in our own ways and understanding to enter into. It is a matter of learning to genuinely fear God, which is this reciprocation, first of all, of the holiness of God, out of which only then can we know the greatness of his mercy to us so that we reciprocate. The other aspect of the being of God's love, which is his mercy that he became a atoning sacrifice for us and that he has the power to forgive us because he became that perfect atoning sacrifice. The secret to keeping the commandments of God and walking in the authority of God is out of the genuine fear of God that brings a genuine faith in the love of God, first in its holiness, in its integrity, to not condone what is contrary to love, and then in his mercy, the mercy of his law. And so King David cried out and he said, Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. He knew that the reason he sinned against God is that his soul needed to be healed. It needed to have this perception of God, of truly loving God, of truly knowing that he's complete in him, that he doesn't have to grasp after the temporal baits of this world. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. And we don't have the ability to do that except we are doing that out of a genuine love for God. (sighs) Then, we will walk in the authority and boldness of His Spirit. So it's wrong to be presumptuous to think that you can just use words to speak, and that you can just say, oh, I'm a son, if you're not living a holy life. It says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. We can come and we can confess our sins and be forgiven. And when we do that, we can know the assurance of his forgiveness and we can know his authority in us to overcome those things that so easily beset us. Though a righteous man falls seven times, yet will he rise. We don't always overcome the deceptions of our heart just like that. That's why it says that we're to lay aside the sin that so easily besets us. We may be deceived many times before that little stubborn mark that we're trying to scrub out of our soul disappears. But it will if we learn that we can truly know that blessed is the one or the man or the woman who Sins are forgiven. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin. When we really are sorry before God for our sins, and we are specific and not trying to justify our sins, we keep our garments clean. We keep our place where we can have the flow of his life within us like these songs we have sung the understanding that it is the resurrection life of Christ. What does it flow out of? It flows out of this right perception of who God is, that he is the very source of life. The source of life comes out of his love, first of all in the integrity of his love, which is the holiness of his love, and then out of the mercy of his love. This is the two-edged sword that searches our heart to the very inner depths of the motives, And then we can say, God, search me and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me and yet not allow the enemy to jab his sword in us and falsely accuse us so that we have the sword of the spirit come out of us in authority over every lying accusation of the enemy and cut down all those strongholds that would come against us of darkness, and bring the word of life to those that are in bondage so that many come out of darkness into the glorious light of the love of God in Jesus Christ. So this is the message God is giving today. He's calling the body of Christ to a love relationship with God where we truly are learning to lay down our self-life In a sense, it may be easier to be a martyr and tortured to death than to live a daily life of self-denial over the little foxes that spoil our life, the sins that so easily beset us. It is a matter of overcoming all of these things, and the secret to that is in the fear of God. For the secret of the Lord is with those that fear him, it says in the word of God. And the fear of God is this genuine turning from the heart that first reciprocates the reality of God and his holiness, out of which is then reciprocated the reality of God's love in his mercy and goodness to us. That we can walk in that authority and that assurance of forgiveness and acceptance in him. And know we are his sons, know we are his daughters. Oh, I could go on talking for a long time. You know, there's the high priest in the book of Zechariah. What is it? Chapter 9, I think, maybe. Satan's standing at his right hand, accusing him he's clothed with filthy garments. And the devil saying, See, that's who you are. And the Lord comes along. And what does he do? This is someone that's hungry, seeking God. And God saw that he, he was truly a priest, despite the lies and the clothes that were upon him that the enemy was trying to imbue upon him. And he came along. And took those filthy clothes off him and put a crown upon him. And he's calling you, daughter and son, today to wake up and to fall in love with your creator. And know that he has your best interests in mind if you're going through trials. A time of desert where nothing is working out and you're looking at other Christians saying it's easy for them to talk. Look at their wealthy. Look at how well they are. Well, we're, what would they do if they were in my shoes? Well, then you start becoming covetous and envious. No, you get your eyes on Christ and you recognize that he's the potter in your life and that as you trust him, he will be faithful. Says them that suffer to keep the keeping of their soul unto him is unto a faithful creator in this sense that he is so creative that he's doing something very creative in your life through those trials that are going to be unique to you throughout eternity when you shine as a very bright light before others in heaven to emanate to them a blessing through that shining. Oh, I could go on talking. But I guess the time is going on. I do have a book I want to mention, which I believe is for the last days, church. For the body of Christ to rise up and become a conquering bride in each city and nation upon the earth. To conquer your nation with the good news of the gospel of Christ. You can get it on Amazon. It's called Godheadship and Body Invasion. Oh, it's on my site at loverealize.com on their books too as well. I'll link to it, but either way. That tells you everything you can do in your church to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. I have many suggestions. For example, why do you not have a church service that starts at 2 o'clock where you can have a 4-hour service and really break through instead of two services early in the morning and then another one the, so that people have to travel twice so they can't you can break through more you can be more prepared that's one suggestion they're just they're just suggesting there are many things in that book it's 250 some odd pages goes into the seven ones of ephesians goes into tongues and in depth goes into many other things about everything we can do to facilitate the fullness of Christ, the new order under the headship of Christ instead of under man. There has to come that fullness of the headship. We've got to have meetings where Christ is the center of attention, where it's not our program, where we start on our faces and we have our prayer meeting right in the church service. The church service starts as his house of prayer, and out of that springs forth the songs of worship and praise, where there's total freedom for each member of the body to function in the gifts. And where there is the leadership and the maturity this time to contain this glory, this restitution of all things, this that is way beyond a love revolution or a revival, that is the very end-time consummate purpose of God, the restitution of all things in the body of Christ, that will contain that glory and cause it to, instead of dissipate by man getting in the way, to enhance it into the fullness of his purpose, ready for his return. And the gathering of the great harvest described in Revelations 14, before the harvest of judgment at the end of Revelations 14. Thank you for listening to this message and God bless you all.